The wilderness was a place where you could lose your way and not know where you were. You could become disoriented and lost. Everything could look the same. Everything could be a mirage leaving you helpless and confused. The scenes and sounds of the barren outer wilderness could be scary. And yet, God drove his son into the wilderness. Look at the lengths to which God would go to make a way for the salvation of sinners. Not only did God send his only son into the world, but he sent him into the wilderness for us. The wilderness is not only a physical place, you know. The wilderness can also be a spiritual place. For many of us have experienced a spiritual wilderness, wilderness, even while living among people in an urban setting. Have you been to the wilderness in your life's journey? Have you ever had the realities of a wilderness experience where you found yourself out there in a spiritual or emotional or mental or relational wilderness? Are you going through your own wilderness now? Do you feel disoriented and lost? Does every place or person to whom you turn seem to be an emotional mirage? Is the silence of the wilderness experience deafening to you? Do you feel helpless, hopeless, confused? Are you feeling hunger, exposure, vulnerability, and fear? The wilderness can be a scary place. But it doesn't have to be for you. You see, my friend, Jesus went to the wilderness too. A very real wilderness in every sense of the word. And he knows exactly what you're going through in both the physical wilderness and the spiritual wilderness. Trust him. Turn to him. Seek him. He can deliver you out of your wilderness. Next, verse 13 tells us our second point of the message. Jesus was tested in the wilderness like ancient Israel, but he prevailed. They didn't, but he prevailed. Verse 13 says, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Now let's unpack this verse a little more carefully. Number one, he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus stayed in the wilderness for a period of 40 days. Now I don't know about you, but a few days in the wilderness could be considered a long time. <laughs> 
40 days in the wilderness with all of its realities was indeed a long time. Matthew chapter 4 verse 2 tells us that Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. So we know he was experiencing tremendous deprivation and all that comes with it. We can hardly imagine the physical agony of fasting for this extended period of time. It was a profound act of self-denial on the part of our Savior. He was being tested to the core in the wilderness. And he submitted himself to the test. Forty days. Recalls the 40 years of ancient Israel's wilderness experience during the time of Moses. But Israel was consigned to the wilderness for four decades because of its disobedience to God. We see this, by the way, in Numbers chapter 14, verses 33 through 35. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 14 and look with me at verses 33 through 35. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Verse 33, Numbers 14. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. By the way, he's talking to the older generation of Israelites who had rebelled against God and against Moses when it came to the issue of entering into the promised land. You may remember that Moses had sent 12 spies to do a reconnaissance mission in the promised land of Canaan. And the 12 spies returned with 12 reports. Ten of the reports were negative, saying that they could not go forth. They could not go forward and take the land that God had promised to them. Two of the reports, Caleb's and Joshua's, were good reports, positive, in that they encouraged the people to go forward to do what God had promised them he would do for them. As a result of the disobedience of the ten spies, the nation of Israelites rebelled against Moses and God took it personally. And here the Lord is speaking about what will happen to them now for they will be consigned to 40 years of wilderness wanderings because of it. Verse 34. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years. And you will know my opposition, God says to them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. 
You see, they rebelled against Moses, but it was really God they were rebelling against. Moses was just a human agent of God that they could get their hands on, if you will. But their rebellion was against the Lord. And that's what the Lord has called it. And that's why he judged them for it. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this evil congregation who have gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall be destroyed and there they will die. The entire generation who was older than 20 years of age, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, would die in that wilderness for their disobedient rebellion and refusal to trust the word of God and believe the promises of God. God called them an evil congregation because of their faithlessness and their faithless refusal to do what God had rescued them from Egypt to do. You see, brothers and sisters, they were in the wilderness for four decades because of their disobedience. But by contrast, Jesus is sent to the wilderness because of his obedience to God. Jesus would accomplish in 40 days what ancient Israel failed to accomplish in 40 years. While ancient Israel repeatedly disobeyed the commandments of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, faithfully kept the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, Jesus is the new Israel. What ancient Israel could not do, Jesus, the Son of God, came to do. Professor James Edwards writes, and I quote, The 40-day trial of God's Son continues the baptismal theme of Jesus as Israel reduced to one. Israel was in the wilderness 40 years, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Moses was on Mount Sinai 40 days and nights, according to Exodus chapter 34, verse 28. And Elijah was led for 40 days and nights to Mount Oreb, according to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8. In each instance, the wilderness was a proving ground, a test of faithfulness, and a promise of deliverance. End quote. Going through a wilderness experience can be a challenging, can be challenging to the core for the Christian. However, because Jesus endured the wilderness and remained faithful to God, so can we endure it and come through the wilderness victorious with him. You see, remember, the wilderness is not only a proving ground and a testing ground for our faith and faithfulness, but we also have the promise of deliverance from the wilderness by God. It's a promise that he will deliver us 
through the wilderness and from the wilderness. If we're obedient to God, he will deliver us through it. If we're disobedient to God like the ancient Israelites were, we'll get delivered into the wilderness, never to come out. So, brothers and sisters, let us learn the spiritual and theological lessons from this. Lessons from our Lord. That obedience to God's word, trusting the promises of God, living and acting upon the promises of God will deliver us through and out of any wilderness experience we're enduring. But disobedience to God, lack of faith and refusal to trust him, will leave us stuck in the wilderness. Jesus, the scripture says here in verse 13, was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. The purpose for Jesus being taken by the Spirit into the wilderness was to be tested and to overcome the assaults of Satan. This is a cosmic battle between the Son of God and the Prince of Evil. Jesus has come to do God's will. But Satan, the adversary, seeks to undermine God's will by attempting to lure Jesus into disobedience. 1 John chapter 3 in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 3 verse 8 says this. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Mark's gospel account does not record much detail about this because he focuses on the outcome of Jesus having prevailed over Satan. But in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11, we are given a bit more detail about the cosmic struggle between our Savior and Satan. You turn in your Bibles for just a few moments to Matthew chapter 4. And let us see what Matthew tells us about this episode in the wilderness. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now just hold on a minute. Now notice that. Notice that. Right there. Notice the very infusion of doubt contained within the very words of the devil. If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. How did Jesus respond to this temptation? After all, 
He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I cannot imagine how much weight I would lose if I fasted 10 days and 10 nights, not to mention 40 days and 40 nights. How about you? This is a supernatural thing that God has given the Son of God grace to do because this is a supernatural and cosmic conflict in the wilderness. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, according to verse 4, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus responds to the devil's temptation with scripture. With scripture. From Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Wherein Moses tells the people that God taught you in the wilderness that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's precisely what Jesus responds to the devil's temptation with the word of God. Nothing more. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Now, if you can envision this, you know this is a cosmic and spiritual uh, encounter that is taking place. They, uh, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, and then after this first round of temptation to which Jesus responds with Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, then the tempter takes him to the holy city. The holy city is Jerusalem. They are transported to the holy city where he has him stand on the highest point of the temple. Here he comes again. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Now Satan, using scripture himself here, Psalm number 91 he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Satan ups the spiritual ante by taking the scripture here, misconstruing and twisting it in order to confuse and lure Jesus into sin. How does Jesus respond? to the twisting of Scripture by the devil? He responds to the twisting of Scripture with the right response from Scripture. Jesus answered him, verse 7, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. What is the devil doing here? Testing God. By testing the Son of God. Twisting the script. Listen. The devil, when you find yourself in the wilderness, the devil 
will twist your mind with the very Bible and Holy Scripture you live by. In other words, he'll take that Bible and use it against you to destroy you. And that's precisely the tactic here in this second round of temptation where they're at the holy city on the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself down. After all, doesn't the scripture say that the angels will catch you? To which Jesus responds, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Where's Jesus responding from? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. First of all, he's lying. He's lying. Ultimately, nothing is his to give in the first place. But since he is the prince of darkness, and the Bible refers to him as the prince of this world, he apparently thinks somehow or another that he can deceive and trick Jesus into falling for this, as if Jesus doesn't know who Satan is and how much Satan actually doesn't have. <laughs> Look at all the kingdoms of the world. All of this is mine, and all of it I will give to you. Now, why would he do such a thing? He's lying. Jesus knows he's lying because he's the father of lies, according to Jesus in John chapter 8. He can't do anything but lie. He incessantly lies. Every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Even when he uses the truth, he turns it into a lie. He used the scripture just a moment ago, used the scripture again here, and what is he doing? Twisting scripture into a lie. By the way, let me push the pause button for a second and talk to somebody who needs to hear this right now uh, from the Lord. Listen to me. You what? Listen, whatever wilderness you're going through right now, beware that Satan will twist your mind and he'll twist your mind with scripture. He wants to twist your mind and deceive your heart in order to destroy you in the middle of your wilderness. Where is God in all of the wilderness? The suffering and the struggle that you're going through? God is with you in the wilderness if you're a Christian. God is a very present help in the time of trouble, Psalm 46. The Lord is with you, but Satan is trying to blind you. Trying to blind you to keep you from seeing that God is right there with you. Listen, remember, it, it was the Spirit of God who took Jesus into the wilderness to be tested in the first place. The Spirit did not abandon him. God did not abandon him, as we shall see at the end of this verse 13 in Mark chapter 1. You may feel like God is nowhere present. You may not see God anywhere present with your 
eyes, but God is a very present help for you if you trust him. Remember that you don't have to see God in order to trust him. It's called faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. God is with you, Christian. He has never left you, not even for a nanosecond, in the middle of your wilderness, deep in the darkness and the difficulty of the wilderness, as we described earlier in this message. The Lord is with you. Don't forget that. And if God is with you, he will see you through and out of this wilderness. If you trust him, if you look to him, if you seek him with all your heart, you don't have to fail in the wilderness like the ancient people of God, Israel, did. God doesn't have you in the wilderness for you to fail. God has you in the wilderness in order to prove you, in order to test the authenticity of your faith, in order for you to see who God is and how God can work. You can't see the power of God until you see the power of God in the middle of some difficult and impossible situations. If everything is going right and good for you in your life, yes, you can see the power of God in that, but you also need to see the power of God when everything appears to be going wrong. And when there is nobody around in your wilderness, nobody within miles of you that you could call upon, everybody is somewhere else but God. Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil takes him to this high mountain and says, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all of these kingdoms. Now what in the world was Jesus going to bow down and worship him for when Jesus, the Son of God, had created everything with the Father in the beginning? Everything was already his to begin with. See, that's another, that's another challenge of being in the wilderness. The devil will try to sell you what God has already given you. And the reason the devil will try to sell you what God has already given you is so that he can steal your soul. So that he can steal your life. So that he can steal your joy. So that he can steal your journey. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Jesus there. Quoting scripture again, brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Deuteronomy 6, 13. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What happened next? Well, verse 11 tells us, then the devil left him. 
and angels came and attended to him. While Jesus was at the deepest depths of his suffering in the wilderness, Satan came to destroy him on three occasions. And on all three occasions, Jesus rejected the tempter with the word of God. Jesus shows us how to resist temptation from the adversary. Let us be clear in our understanding, brothers and sisters, about what is happening here. God is testing Jesus. Satan is tempting Jesus. God's test will prove Jesus to be the authentic son of God. Satan's failed temptations also prove that Jesus is the authentic son of God. As followers of Christ, we can expect the tempter to attempt to lure us into sin and disobedience also. But Jesus is the example for how to overcome the temptations of the tempter. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 teaches us that no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. This is a promise from God's word, that temptation does not have to overcome us. By God's grace, and by the promises of God's word, we can overcome temptation and the tempter just as our Savior did. So, my friend, you don't have to lose this battle to the devil. This wilderness experience, this warring that you're going through in your own soul, in your own mind, in your heart, or in your situation, or circumstance, you don't have to lose this battle because Jesus already won in the wilderness and ultimately at the cross of Calvary. The scripture here in verse 13 goes on to tell us a couple of important details as I hurry to a close. It says that he was with the wild beasts while there in the wilderness. With the wild beasts. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild beasts. Jesus was among the wild beasts in the wilderness. The wild beasts symbolize, or symbolic if you will, of the many threats, dangers, and horrors of the wilderness. This reference to wild beasts would be a point of connection with Mark's Roman Christian readers who had witnessed and experienced horrible persecution during the 60s AD. Not the 1960s, <laughs> but the uh, 
60s AD. Again, James Edwards writes, and I quote, Given the ravaging of Christians by ferocious animals during Nero's reign in the 60s AD, it is not difficult to imagine Mark including the unusual phrase with the wild beasts in order to remind his Roman readers that Christ too was thrown to wild beasts. And as the angels ministered to him, so too will they minister to Roman readers facing martyrdom. But Jesus overcame Satan and the wild beasts in the wilderness and would proceed to do the mission God sent him to perform, brothers and sisters. No matter how Satan comes against us, we can still fulfill the mission of God if we are obedient to his word. Even the wild beasts, Jesus overcame. And Jesus will help us overcome the wild beasts in our lives and in our wilderness. Not only does it say that he was with the wild beasts and that the Roman Christians could identify with this seeing as so many of them were fed to the wild beasts in the Colosseum. But not only that, this ends on a note of powerful, positive promise. And the angels were ministering to him. Just as God did not abandon Jesus in the wilderness, God will not abandon us in the wilderness either. Angels were ministering to him in the wilderness, meaning that God's presence was always there with him in the wilderness because God would see him through the wilderness because the wilderness was a place of testing not a place of destruction for Jesus. In our wilderness, God will use the wilderness as a place of testing in order to grow and deepen our faith, in order to strengthen us for the mission that he has for us to go forward with in our journey with the Lord. The angels were ministering to him. While you're in the wilderness, let God minister to your soul, to your heart, to your mind. That's what God's trying to do. The devil is trying to distract your thinking and understanding and have you chasing all kinds of fantasies in the wilderness. Have you deluded by demons in the wilderness? Have you afraid of wild beasts in the wilderness that you find yourself in, overcome by fears and worries and stress and anxiety in your wilderness. But God does not want you to be overcome by fear, stress, anxiety, and foreboding in the wilderness. God wants 
to minister to you in the wilderness. Turn your heart and your mind, your head toward God. Pay attention to the Lord in the wilderness. He's ministering to you. Don't miss the ministry of the Lord to your soul in the wilderness. God will use the wilderness as a hospital room to do surgery on your soul if you let him. And when you come out of the wilderness, you'll come out of the wilderness whole and well and ready to serve him just as Jesus did when he walked out of that wilderness. God will go through the wilderness with us. As David says in Psalm 23, 4, even in the darkest valley of the wilderness, he is with us. And God with us, God with you, is more than the devil, all of his demons, and the whole world against you. Who can separate us from the love of God? Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Nothing is the correct answer. Neither height nor depth, angels nor demons, things present nor things to come nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, even in the middle of a wilderness. Now as I come to a close, some of you are in a wilderness because of your sin. What I mean is, your sins have not been forgiven. And your sinful life and lifestyle have led you into a wilderness of your own making. But God wants to use that wilderness to get your attention. To get your attention to turn to him in repentance and faith. And now is the moment for you to turn. Now is the moment for you to turn to the Lord. Now is the moment for you to trust the Lord even in the middle of your wilderness. For only the Lord can bring you out of that wilderness. Only the Lord can save your soul from the sins that have plunged you into a wilderness that you will never get out of on your own. And if you are a Christian who has lived disobediently and found yourself in a wilderness because of your disobedience. God has allowed you to find yourself in that wilderness in order to get your attention so that you would return to the Lord. That you would repent and return to the Lord and get yourself back in fellowship with the Lord and in favor with him. Whoever you are and whatever your spiritual condition, God has this word of promise and encouragement for you. 
He will see you through the wilderness if you will only trust him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the promise of your presence with us in the wilderness, your presence with us who are the redeemed children of God, knowing that Jesus went through the wilderness and came out of it victorious, that so shall we come out victorious with him from any wilderness that we may be going through right now. That in due time, in due season, we shall overcome because he overcame. He has overcome. Oh God, we thank you and praise and worship you today for the precious promises of your word to your people. And as your people, we pray for the salvation of sinners who are in a wilderness that they will never get out of if they do not repent and trust Jesus Christ as the only Lord and Savior and their only way out of the wilderness of their sins. Well, God, we pray for the salvation of souls and for the strengthening of the saints today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55 says that the Lord's word will not return to him void, but that it will accomplish the purpose for which he sends it. May God's word accomplish God's purpose in each and every one of our souls today.